Okay, we are live. We have investor series. This is going to be episode two. We've done one last year. We did one a couple weeks ago, uh, but we're just calling this one episode two of investor series. Melissa Facina, City Capital, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, for context, you've got to give us a little bit of information about City. Uh, when did it start? What's it all about? Yep, cool. So super briefly, uh, City Capital is the only operationally based venture capital firm in the industry. We've got a team of 24, of which two thirds of them are operators. Uh, we moved the operating business called City Ops into City Capital uh, earlier this year. We are now investing out of a $200 million fund too. Uh, the vast majority of our checks are, you know, $3 million to $10 million first checks. Uh, and sometimes we like to play in the early stage with awesome entrepreneurs who are doing super innovative things. What do all of those people do? If there, maybe you'll have to break down if there was an operating side and then you're kind of integrated into the capital side. Give us a description of what all those people are doing. Yeah. So two thirds of them truly operate businesses. So they are logistics coordinators all the way through C-suite, uh, anything from day-to-day -day operations, procurement, supply chain, sourcing, distribution, warehousing, fulfillment, order management, um, and then uh, manufacturing, process engineering, infrastructure build, et cetera. And obviously we have investors. And are they working for specific brands that are in the portfolio or are they separate? Both. Um, so we definitely deploy our resources to the Port Coast, uh, some of which, by the way, were in the services business before uh, we were investors. Um, and sometimes we, we help service uh, companies who are not yet in the portfolio, but desire to be over time. And, and we think that uh, that we can de-risk their business before uh, before that. Um, can you name some brands that are in the portfolio now? Maybe name um, just give, yeah, give us the first five to seven brands that come to mind right now. Sure. Magic Spoon, uh, Kenko, Thistle, uh, Mudwater. Uh, on the smaller side, we have Elite Sweets, um, at Sound. Um, I can go across basically across every, every category uh, or, or, or growth. Beautiful. And so there's no specific category that you focus on, you are in what I consider all things food, beverage, and health. Maybe you do some beauty as well. Actually, we've not crossed into health and beauty yet, and I am desperate to do that. Um, uh, we will. Um, yes, all things food and beverage, also food tech. Uh, I care a lot about what I eat, what I feed my kids. That's been the basis of how we make investments uh, and, and the kind of products we care about. And, and then I am a believer that we do need to change the food supply chain system over time. Uh, and that leans into food tech. Is there, uh, with, with that exactly, with that said, exactly, uh, are there products that you don't consume or that you wouldn't for one reason or another? Me personally? Yes. It's probably really terrible to say this, but I'm so freaking transparent. I don't consume a vast majority of the products uh, that, that, that we currently invest in. And it's not because they're not great products, by the way. It's because I know what works in my body, what kind of ingredients work with it. Um, and, and it's not everything across the board. Um, we do believe in investing in supporting better quality products. So whether that's making organic purchases, making substitutions in, in, the, in the sugar category, 
category. Uh, but but just because I'm not a consumer of something doesn't mean that that the mass market is not a consumer. Uh, I, I think being transparent with that is totally fine. Um, the last guest in this particular uh, category as far as uh, investment said the same. Uh, actually, you went even uh, further. He, there are, because of the way I, I position is there anything that you don't like, even mm -hmm. taste-wise? Um, and he admitted that, yes, there are some things. So um, again, taste is one of those things that's subjective, sort of. I've always said that it's kind of not. Um, there are particular categories I truly believe. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a little bit more objective that because there's some things that some people actually like, and then there's some that they really don't. But anyway, that's a whole separate thing. Um, I'll put monk fruit, by the way, in that category for me. Monk fruit. Okay, good. Yeah, there's. I I can name twenty, but that's fine. So <laughs> so um, let's go with um, how you came up with the initial check size and what that would mean for those that would be contacting you. Uh, is there some threshold as far as pre revenue or revenue that they should have now that you're looking at? Yeah, so by the way, our fund one invested across the board. So when you look at our portfolio, which is 70 companies deep, we do have a lot of early stage businesses. Uh, those took, you know, 250,000 to million dollar check sizes. Um, we still do entertain that category, but it's a very small portion of our fund two because our fund two is much larger. Um, the, and by the way, the reason is I'm a little bit scared of early stage these days. There's a ton of people who've poured into the space. Um, and for me, it's not just about product fit and taste, but it's about the entrepreneur and the business acumen. And sometimes that takes time to build over time. And for me, by the way, our investor uh, brand relationship has to be a partnership. We don't believe in cramming shit. Oh, I don't even know if I can say that. Cramming stuff down uh, uh, the throat of a brand. We believe in partnering with them. Um, and, and so sometimes that takes time to develop. We moved upstream uh, to avoid some of the risk and certainly some of the supply chain risk. And a lot of it has to do with cash flow management and really being able uh, to support a business growth in a really challenging environment. Yeah, cash flow management. Um, I don't think there's uh, a lot of that happening. Uh, whether or not the operator has experience or not, it's very difficult. Um, I, I just came off of a call right now, and, and I'm actually in the mood of that call. Um, and I don't. I, I think we should just can talk on it right now. It, it, the, I believe the CPG um, just vertical, the the entire CPG is pretty broken right now. Um, and I'm wondering what that looks like for an investor to really recognize that and whether or not they're you are putting the brakes on certain things and really coming to Jesus. I, I, that's one of my things. I'm sorry if you don't. Yeah. Um, um, and, 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 and having those um, hard conversations, not only maybe with current portfolio companies, um, but ones that you're looking at now, there's a, there needs to be a little bit of a different makeup, not just on the operating side, um, but as far as what they can showcase as a, as a product and as a brand coming off shelf. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I think we're entering a very difficult time. I actually just sent an email to somebody who hit me up for investment. And that's essentially one of the things I said and gave him a whole list of things that I thought was really pertinent to help him through his, uh, uh, you know, navigating capital raising. Um, look, profitability has been something people have talked about in the space for a long time. People have also talked about the fact that margin improves with volume. 
I, I'm not a believer in that, by the way. Margin doesn't just magically improve with volume, uh, no matter how much you you, you want to will it that way. Um, we are having come to Jesus moments uh, with our portfolio companies. And, and frankly, some of them are too late. Uh, so some of them are, 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 we got to the table to have that conversation too late because it's our fault. Some of them, we got to the table to have the conversation too late because the, the numbers weren't there. The, the company didn't have visibility, enough visibility into what they were actually doing to be able to get a uh, good advice around it. And frankly, there's stuff happening all over the place now that, that had, uh, uh that, that companies weren't expecting. They had X dollars, uh, for, for importing or distribution costs or logistics costs, and they've tripled. Right. And so how, how do they possibly navigate that? The second is supply chain. They, they, they can't get a key ingredient. Maybe they're not contracted properly, which, by the way, is a big thing. We care a lot about being prophylactic with our companies. How do we get them uh, protected across the board? Um, and it doesn't always work, but but there are times when, when guaranteed supply ends up going to a company that has a contract for supply instead of a company who's just buying at whim. Um, and so I think the conversation, though, is different for every company, every category, every size business. Uh, and if you're not a proactive investor having those conversations, uh, shame on you. Well, well said. Uh, and it's uh, well said. I, I've just written something. I, I, I'm, I, it's not like I'm ever hesitant to throw out anything because I'm just going to do it. But um, it's a it's a scary uh, it's a scary journey already. Uh, and it should be. You should be. You should have a little bit of anxiety all the time. It's actually what what sort of builds the fire. You throwing you know throwing more wood on there as as you're con consistently. Dude, look, going I'm a down founder. Yeah. I'm a founder yeah. too, and I'm freaking scared all the time. In yeah. fact, I tell my team that my motto is: the more I'm scared, the harder I have to run into it, because that clearly shows me that's something we need to literally let like like you know, blow through the wall with. Um, and, and yeah, you have to be nervous because that keeps you uh, heightened. Sorry to interrupt you. No, it's, it's a, it's a great point. And it's, and, um, and it's a valid one and, and people should be comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling. Um, and, uh, and if you're not, you're going to be, you're going to run into, to, uh, even more hurdles that you're not going to be able to get through. Um, how long do you believe I, I were, I'm coming off the investment side, but it's going to connect again. How long do you see this going? What's the, this, the supply chain crisis, everything we just talked about. We're talking internally on the services side of our business that we're preparing through 2024, frankly. Fair. Um, so that's 20, you know, 24 to 30 months from now. Correct. Um, so I was going to say 24 months. And even then, we don't know what's on the other side of that. There, there's that theme. And I've heard some people say, well, we'll, 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 we'll buckle down and we're going to you know, do this for 18 months. And because we know that X, Y, Z. No, you don't. You don't know shit. That's exactly uh, right. And, and so that's the other scary element to it. Um, the let's talk uh, again we're going to now go back into the investment side when, when you know that let's just say and those things are heightened as far as really what do you need to pull at to mitigate risk because i want to go back to this as an investor i can almost speak for you the goal is to eliminate as much risk as possible when entering so there's a ton of risk no matter what i don't care what they showed you tons and tons and tons of risk the the the, the, the chance that you will hit one out the park is slim. The chance that you'll get a single is 
less slim, but slim. Um, with that said, you're trying to mitigate the risk. With If that's the case now, what do you think are two or three things that you'd love to see? So, um, by the way, I, I never believe in underestimating the value of the entrepreneur. And, and, and I say that because I've seen really phenomenal entrepreneurs navigate through, through, through totally unforeseen things just because they have critical thinking capability. Uh, not to, to your point, none of us know what's going to happen. So even I can't guide or anybody, uh, other investor that shows up and tells you that they know what the hell is going on can guide. You have to have smart people who are decisive, quick thinking, have the ability to pivot and navigate um, and, and stay true to who they are. Right. So, so for me, like we are absolutely betting on people every single time. Um, I would say that, that, I mean, because we're operators, we very clearly care about supply chain focus. In that supply chain is a variety of things. One of them we just talked about is, is effectively procurement security. One of them is manufacturing security. So look, if you are one of the few companies that these big, massive retailers are calling to put on their shelf uh, 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 you know, in their new resets, you have to be able to supply the product. If you can't supply it, you just shot yourself in the foot in a great market or in a terrible market. Um, and, and so we like to cover that off. And I think the third is sales is looking all sorts of screwed up, right? We've got uh, three years ago or four years ago, we had a heavy uh, food service market. Food service totally disappeared and everybody fell into D2C. Now it's totally impossible to buy consumers for any a, a, any cost that, that, that makes any sense. So now people are back to, to retail and an omni-channel approach. In retail, they're getting screwed because everybody's rushing to retail, right? So you have to have people at the table who know how to navigate not just sales decisions, but the different distribution strategies that end up leaning into that, that goes back to supply chain, where you keep your product, where you house it, where the warehouse and distribution are. And that goes back then to cash flow management and where all those dollars end up going. So it's all interconnected. And for us, we cannot just look at one thing. Uh, again, really well said. There's a lot to unpack in there. Um, for those that are watching, you, you, you have to really dive into what she's saying and why she's saying it because uh, it's all fact. Um, and uh, I, I live it so I can tell you that it's fact. What would you say, um, is anybody coming to you now with sort of vertical integration opportunity, like where they want the check because they want to own the factory and manufacturing capabilities? And on the back of that, on the back of that sort of question is the reason why being that co-packing is dangerous on so many levels, um, I don't, I, I may touch on a few of them right now, but I'm going to let you answer the first part first. But first, let me tell you that co-packing and co-manufacturing are two different things. Um, second, let me tell you that I grew up in manufacturing. My family happens to be the largest beverage, uh, ESL or aseptic beverage manufacturing uh, company in the country. Uh, so I understand what it means to be a good co-manufacturing partner. Which is what, by the way, you can't just drop that and go, what's the name? You, you won't know the name. It's called Johanna Farms, Johanna Foods. Okay. Johanna They're basically okay. all private label business for the most part. In what um, category? In what category? You can't drop in what category? Juice. Apple juice. Orange juice, apple juice, good. Thank, thank um, you. Now, we go, now so, go back. So, so, so look, you know, a massive consolidation has happened in the manufacturing space, okay? And what that has led to is either very, very big minimums for huge uh, volume commands or the emergence of brand new small batch co-manufacturers who often don't know how to do the job well. And so you're totally fucked. Oh, 
Damn, that's okay. I'll be big. Go. And and by the way, there there are some companies who actually have IP protection you have to worry about on the floor of comments, aside from all the other jazz that exists. Um, so so you know, I, I I wait, what was the question? I went off on introducing it's okay. We're it's about vertical integration. People come oh, yeah, to yeah. now to say, hey, yes, I'd rather own invested, it. Yes, we just invested in Midday Squares. Midday Squares owns their facility. They didn't own their facility because they wanted to build vertical integration at first. They owned their facility because they couldn't go anywhere and actually have it made. But yes, we are now having companies who want to own their own facilities for a variety of reasons. It is my belief, being a manufacturing expert, that we only want you to own your company. I mean, your manufacturing, if you can. Can actually run it mm-hmm. because there are plenty of people who believe they can just open it yes and all of a sudden it gets paid for people can manage quality control you get production staff who want to work for you and none of that just happens yes and yeah i would say we probably have a portfolio in cpg with the most uh businesses who have vertical integration because we understand it so well i'm going to unpack just a piece of the the latter part um for those that understand the, the reason why it makes sense to own your factory is tenfold. It's because you have control. I'm going to talk about two parts, control and price. One is you get to control the quality because that's, that's an issue with it. So, so imagine that you get to control that. Why? Because you get to buy the machines. You get to buy, hire the right people. You get to manage them the right way. You get to see your product come off the line all the time. You get to create the specs. That's one. Two is something that... I could talk on openly and where we're going to go is, is price is you get to control the price. You actually get to know cost of ingredient plus what we'll call a toll, meaning what did it cost you to operate that day? You have every single penny to to the T. So you know what it looks like. And what does the opposite of that look like? Just envision what the opposite looks like. Well, that's co-packing. And I would say that I, I'm going to say it now because I said I was going to reference it later. I would say that we're in a tough time right now for all the reasons that you've already mentioned and why we're talking about investing may look different now. It's, it's now on the, more on the operator. Like, can they get through this? Do they have the chops to get through the waves? Can they surf this thing, right? It's because some of those relationships are going to get a little wonky. And I will say this because because there's pressure on their side too. And do you know what happens when somebody gets pressure? Some of them do the right thing and they can manage that pressure and some don't. And I'm going to tell you what happens if they don't. They make bad decisions. The relationships that were built could even be for some time are, are on the fritz. and. What ends up happening is you go down a path that you never thought you would earlier. You thought your relationship was grounded. You thought you, you talked in transparency, but everybody's fighting for their lives. And it makes for a really, really tough road on multiple levels. I'm going to leave it at that because I could go for days on what so that let means. Please. All of that's 100% uh, uh, accurate. And look, at City, on the services side, we've negotiated, you know, almost 2,000 co-manufacturing arrangements. That's a lot. 
And what I'll tell you is in good times and in bad times, one of the most uh, uh, important piece of it, uh, pieces of advice I can give is that you have to put the hat on of the person on the other side because they are running a business. In fact, they're running a, a, a business with margins that may in fact be smaller than the margins that you're running. Um, and, and they operate on efficiency and they operate on volume. So when you go onto the co-man floor and you want to change everything, substitute this small ingredient, add a little bit of this in the batch. Hold on. Let me, let me just change the packaging and run five, five different types of product in the same you know day you gave me to run one. All of that changes how they actually make money, how they look at you as an easy or not easy partner, the type of, uh, of energy they have to invest in you moving forward. And so yet yeah, none of this advice is going gonna, is gonna to get you out of a bad circumstance with a bad co-man. It can get you through a challenging circumstance with a good partner though. And a good partner is not someone you want to lose in an environment like this. Well said. Uh, there's a, uh, we could go on for days, and, but these are short and, and succinct and I want to leave it that, at that. Um, there's a lot of gems to be pulled out of this. I know some of this isn't as optimistic as someone here, but they know that that specifically I come with transparency as what's happening in the marketplace because that's where the value sits. Not in, um, not in uh, what we call sort of this toxic positivity stuff, right? Like, totally. Go get them. Go get them. You got this. No, ma'am. No, we, that doesn't we, work. Uh, so. We've got relationships with our, both, both the client side, but especially our portfolio side. Um, and we've won those relationships and their trust because we're transparent, because we talk through challenges, because we call people on their shit. And by the way, they better call me on mine. Mm -hmm. um, because the, 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 the entire objective is to build success together. And for me, success does not mean having one big hit of a win in a portfolio of losers. It means changing the food system. And that requires a lot of people working together for a lot, uh, you know, a lot of opportunities and successes and hurdles, uh, in the future. Well said. There's a lot of good stuff here. We'll do a follow-up episode, um, in the, in a, the next few months, um, on the back of some of this, on the back of what's maybe transpired since it, right? As far as maybe some investments or things that you're looking at, maybe even differently than you are right now uh, versus the six months ago and everything that we just touched on. So totally, uh, Mel Melissa's info is right there. Uh, and we will get this going again. Thank you very much for being on. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it.